That's it. It's on. It's happening. Peeps, welcome to another podcast. You know what time it is. This is Chronicles of a Plumber. And of course, bringing the bass. Here it goes. There we go. Let the music cut out. How you guys been? How was your week? What you been up to? You haven't heard from me in a while, eh? I'm going to tell you all about that because there's been a whole lot of drama in the life and times of Kenny Molotov this week, man. I've been having just a gong show of a week. So let me tell you the quick story. First of all, my name is Kenny Molotov. I'm a plumbing YouTuber. I'm a professional magician. I also do a little bit of music. Down in the description below, you can find all the things that I do there, um, including some magic. Uh, I have a bunch of URLs down there. One's my magic channel on YouTube. One's my plumbing. And one is my music as well. So you can check that all down there. Uh, Let's just jump into the internet quickly, and I'll tell you guys what the heck's been going on with my life. Anchor.fm forward slash Kenny hyphen Molotov. That's where you're going to be able to find this podcast there. That is the app that I upload this podcast to, and then it distributes it to all the different platforms that you can get. That's podcasting, essentially, and I got 10 of them from what I understand. I got Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Overcast, Radio Public, and Stitcher. If you go to any of those platforms, you can actually find me there under the title of Kenny Molotov, not Chronicles of a Plumber. I know, I know, I should have probably named this Chronicles of a Plumber and not Kenny Molotov, but you know what? I'm happy. It's cool. You guys follow me. You guys know what to do. We're good. We're good. So... That's me there. If we pop over to the YouTube channel sitting at 2,090, Chronicles of a Plumber still at 12 subscribers, but I got 21 views last time. Not too bad. And then we're going to jump over to Instagram in a second. But let me tell you quickly what the heck's been going on because I got to be honest with you. I did this podcast a few days ago. I did this podcast on Saturday. What I mean by that is that I have a version of this podcast where I'm wearing a different shirt completely, where I did like an hour or an hour, 10 minutes long of talking about what I did throughout my week in plumbing, which is what this podcast is about. And then come Sunday night, I'm rendering out the video, which is the final stage to get it perfect for YouTube and also to get it perfect for Anchor and all the podcasting platforms. And I had these headphones plugged into my computer over there on the other side, which is I call the airplane. Because it's so damn loud with its uh, fans, but it's the powerful one that does the rendering real nice. And I stand up, and it's not even a foot off the ground, but trips over my hard drive. Hard drive goes plummeting down, hits the floor like a ton of bricks. I didn't think anything of it because I didn't notice, like, it wasn't a devastating fall. I've, I've seen things fall worse. I've seen this hard drive fall worse than this, which is probably what primed it to make it malfunction on me. But essentially what ends up happening is it falls. I make a, I comment with some profanity. My wife asks me what's wrong. I say, no, nothing. You know, I just dropped my hard drive. Well, I go to, um test the hard drive out and I plug it back in and it ain't reading the hard drive so oh so I run over to this computer that I'm working on right now I try plugging it in 
It ain't happening. This is happening while it was rendering. So in other words, I interrupted the rendering process. That's it. You can't get it back. And then I started with the unpacking the damn thing, trying to figure out maybe there was something loose. Maybe I could just, you know, nudge it back into place. Peeps, I opened up this hard drive. It was like from outer space. If you ever seen the inside of these hard drives, they're beautiful. They're discs. They're arms. It's like... I, I opened it up and I went, this is way out of my league, boy. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to be able to do anything with this thing. And then I went on to YouTube and I saw other people working on it, professionals working on it, people that only do hard drives. <laughs> and they're wearing white suits. They're wearing masks. They're wearing uh, latex gloves, man. It was like a, it was a big thing. So cleanliness and getting dust on it was a big deal. So. Oh, then comes me trying to figure out how the hell to get the data off of it. So I start looking at data recovery. I don't know if you know this, but there is a such thing as data recovery. They'll take your hard drive. They'll plug it in. They will replace all the parts in order to get the data back. You want to throw out a number, uh, a ballpark number of what you think it might be? Let me know down in the comments below before you see the next couple of seconds where I tell you what you think it is. Because I'm going to tell you right now, at I was super frustrated when I found this out. So I'm looking online. You're looking at somewhere in the ballpark of 800. That's the lowest I found. All the way up to 1800 or $2,000 to get data recovery done. So this hard drive is like 200 bucks, 250 bucks. You're going to pay three or four times that. In order to get your data off of it. Now look, I kind of get it. I kind of get it because the market is sort of reacting in a way where it's saying, all right, this comes down to how much you value the data. How much do you think your data is worth? And for big companies that require their hard drives um, in order to, you know, do their regular everyday things. This is a big deal. I imagine they're willing to pay big bucks. So the corporate companies, I'm sure, drop dimes. Like 2, 2K might not be anything for a corporate company. Even photographers, for example, right? You're charging a couple of thousand for the shoot. Um, your hard drive goes haywire. You're really stuck in a bad position because you got to get the pictures back. Man, I know you're going to fork out some real money to get this done, right? Like I get that. I'm a small-time YouTuber, peeps. I made 0.01 cents on YouTube. I'm going to show you the picture. 0.01. Look. Look. This is real. This is how much I made this month. I I'm killing it, bro. I'm killing it. We'll get to that in a second. I ain't going to drop $800 on a hard drive recovery, bro. But I want all the data, and the data means a lot to me. It's very personal. So... I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to, like, this is for, like, the commercial guys, right? Like, they're, they're, they're charging big bucks for these companies. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go to Pacific Mall. Now, here's the thing. Pacific Mall is in Markham, Ontario, where I grew up, right? Markham's known for having a large Asian population. My wife's Asian, you know what I'm saying? And in the Asian community, you can find good deals, man. That's why you go to Pacific Mall to find good deals. I walk into Pacific Mall with my sad-looking hard drive. I put it on the table. I go, 
what can you do for me? He goes, $800. That's what I could do for you. I go, nah, man. The Greek guy came out. I gave him a munza and I said, I'm out of here. Forget it. It ain't happening. So peeps, literally, I kid you not. I know I'm making light of it right now. I had the worst Monday and Tuesday in a long time. It was that in conjunction with the weather and that there's no sun for a while. Everything, the colors feel duller, you know what I'm saying? And now I'm super depressed about my hard drive. Let me tell you something. I got school coming up in January. Excited, yes, but I was also worried about the community. I was like, look, I got school coming up. I got to worry about the peeps, man, because look, I know that uh, there might be a little market here on this channel for uh, school vlogs and whatnot, but I know that you guys are here for for seeing some plumbing done. So what I did is I took it upon me to take on the task of shooting a bunch of vlogs so that once I'm in school, I will still be able to potentially get a vlog out to you guys of actual plumbing every week. So I was about eight, nine, ten vlogs ahead. I was ready for you peeps. I was ready. I was hammering out vlogs recording them. I know I've been uh, a little bit lagging with the editing part, but I was hammering out these vlogs for you guys because I worry about you. And I had a bunch of vlogs there, important ones, ones that I fell in love with, which included the coffee shop. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know, dad and I just did a coffee shop that I'm very proud of. Now that's on the hard drive. Everything that came subsequently is on the hard drive. I lost a ton of footage, peeps. You know what I'm saying? I put in a lot of work, a ton of footage. Now, here's a little digression from this, a little bit of a silver lining, or a little bit of a hopeful glimmer of light, maybe. I did look online, and what's happening to my hard drive specifically is that when you plug it in, it actually lights up. It starts spinning, the arm moves twice, and then it just shuts off like it's game over. That's also what pisses me off about these guys that are doing hard drive recovery or data recovery. They have no idea what's wrong with my hard drive. It could be like a five-second fix unless the tools required are hundreds of dollars in order to fix my hard drive. I don't know if it's right that they're charging this, man. I really don't know. I don't know enough about the market. I'm just pissed off. <laughs> For good reason, I think. $800 is a little bit ridiculous. Anyways, what was I going to say? Here's a glimmer of hope. I found a guy on YouTube who had the same issue. He changed out only one part, and it seemed to have worked for him. I am taking that as my plan B. What I'm going to do is I'm going to find out the part number, send it out to the company he was using, see if they can retrieve, give me a new one of these. And just, if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, uh, it doesn't. You know what I'm saying? The only thing I'm really happy about, knock on wood, because I don't want to jinx anything, is that on this computer I'm using right now, I actually have one of the vlogs that, was on the other hard drive that I lost everything on. So I got a piece of the coffee shop that I was really excited about, really excited to show you guys. And that was the only thing that was sort of magic to me. So 
I'm going to edit that bad boy. I'm going to send it out to you guys. I'm going to do that as a plan B, but I have been recording like a maniac these vlogs. So hopefully it all works out. That's the story. That's why I've been super... If you go onto Instagram right now, Molotov underscore plumbing, you'll notice that I haven't uploaded anything except for one video this week. And then only today was I putting up stories. And the reason why that is is because I really wanted to do a podcast for you guys this week. And that's what I did. I had one rendering out. It was ready to go and then kaput, game over. So we're doing back-to-back podcasts. What that means is I'm going to upload this bad boy as of tomorrow, which is Friday. I'm going to give that to you guys for the weekend. Then on Saturday, I'm going to record another podcast of all the pictures that I have on the phone about work this week, and I'm going to give you another podcast so that Monday or Tuesday you can get that as well. So back-to-back, I don't want to skip a week. I'm really, really fed up with what happened, but I'm in better spirits. I've been doing way more cardio. It's been getting the juices flowing. I, I did biceps today, so I'm feeling pumped, and that's what we're going to do. That's the story. Let's talk about plumbing. Love you guys. All right, so as we already talked about, we are sitting at 2,090 subscribers. Now, you're probably sitting back going, Kenny, you didn't upload a video this week. Yeah, well, I kind of told you about the story, right? I was doing the uh, just the podcast for you guys, and I was planning to edit one of them videos I had on the, the hard drive. Game over. No hard drive. No video. I'm sorry, peeps, but I do have a vlog coming out for you guys. This Monday or this Tuesday, okay? It's really important to me as well. I love doing the vlogs, and I'm going to get that out to you. So, last one I did was a day in life of a plumber installing a kitchen drain, and I did a unboxing of the Venn family. Shout out to the Vens. Um, actually, one of the Vens, Reese Venn, is, uh, just recently went off to join the Navy. And there's a wicked vlog that you can check out at Venn's Vlogs. Let me see if I can pull one of these up. Let's go like this. There she is. All right. So if you go see Lindsay over at Venn's Vlogs, uh, it's the Bon Voyage video, which is right over here. That's Reese Venn right there. He just went off to the Navy. Um, really cool. Really cool stuff. Uh, really, really interesting. So check that out if you get a chance. Uh, Lindsay, Ryan, and the family, Emma and Reese. The family's been good to me, man. They sent me some stuff, uh, and I did an unboxing. So if you haven't seen my vlog, check that out. You can see the stuff that they sent me, including a hat, including some uh, delicious goodies that uh, my wife and I have been sprinkling in our lives here and there. And that's 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 it. That's it. So Chronicles of Plumber sitting at 12 subs, 21 views, which is a big one for me. Oh, I got 20 views on the first one or, or this one. All right. All right. So we are right. We're getting there. You ready? Let's talk about it. Let me tell you what happened last week. And then next podcast, I'll tell you what happened this week. What are you looking here at here, peeps? These are three separate water meters that we had to put backflow preventers on. And as you probably already know, I did a video on backflow prevention a little while back. And I'll show you that video right here. It's with this good looking chap named Mahir. Mahir's a subscriber and stopped me at a building I was working at and said, hey, man, I've been watching you, blah, blah, blah. 
Great, great moment in my uh, career as a YouTuber. Uh, but we talk about backflow preventers there. What is a backflow preventer? You say, if you don't know what it is already, it is a device created so that water can only flow in a certain direction. And when it changes direction and starts siphoning the other way, this backflow preventer will stop the water from getting any further than it currently is. So it's essentially the ones that we are installing is a double check valve assembly. So they have two check valves, which are trap doors, okay? The trap door allows the water to go through one way, but on the opposite direction, they will activate and they will shut, and you can't actually push this door down. So that's what a backflow preventer is, and we had to install three. Now, here's the thing. There's a little bit of controversy between us, me, and my dad. So this tenant calls us and says, look, we need to install a backflow preventer. Dad takes the form off of him given by the government, government. And I look at it and, and I go, okay, so we only have to do 377A, I was thinking. And he goes, no, look at it. It says unit, uh, unit 377, which was really ambiguous, which made it seem like it's not only A, it's a bunch of water meters. Now, inside the basement of this person's unit are the three water meters and those go up to the floor above and then over to the side and then one for the their own unit as well so the owner of this little plaza got this form so we actually ended up interpreting it as if we had to install three separate backflow preventers because the way it said it was it was unit 377, and 377 had A, B, and I think this was 377 itself. So it had 377, 377A, 377B. So when you take it all into consideration, it was ambiguous, so we really didn't know, or at least Dad didn't know which way to go with it, so we interpreted it as three, which makes sense because two out of the three units were uh, restaurants, so we definitely know that they needed backflow preventers. And I think since there was a water meter connected that was domestic, that was connected to the ones that were for the uh, what am I call it for the restaurants. I assume that we put one and protect that one as well because with commercial units, uh, the government is concerned that contaminants can get back into the system. What we ended up doing was uh, putting in three separate backflow preventers. And uh, something that you got to know is that the backflow preventer really depends upon uh, what sort of commercial building you're dealing with or what sort of commercial business you're dealing with. So in other words, um, because this was a low risk area, because the I'll give you a range, okay? The reason why restaurants are low risk is because in restaurants, you don't have many contaminants. However, if you're dealing with a body shop or a mechanic, for example, there are paint thinners, there are paints, there are oils, there are etc. Those things, if they were to somehow get back into the potable water system, it would cause severe devastation. So those type of businesses I just described will get the most... Um, the most protection out of the uh, backflow preventer. You will have to buy a backflow preventer specifically for those businesses that are those specific, right? And then with this one, you will have one that's not, it, it's, I guess it's not as reinforced as the one that you would with the uh, paint thinners and whatnot. So that's something to keep in mind. Okay, now 
I had a lot of fun with this, a, a tremendous amount of fun, but it was both fun and it was a little bit uh, nerve-wracking. And the reason why that was is because we had two businesses that were waiting for their water to come back on. So luckily, Monday was a bit of a slow day for them, and uh, they were really chill with us. They were good. They, we ended up uh, we finished a bit later, and I'll tell you the reason why. However, they were good sports about it. So let me show you what exactly is going on, okay? This is the wall where the backflow preventer is going to take place, all three of them. I want to let you notice that this is an enclosed space. For some reason, the the owners of this shop, I don't know what it is about non-plumbing families or non-plumbing people. But for some reason, water meters are just not important to them. They will put stacks and stacks of things in front of the water meter. And God forbid something happens where you cut a pipe or something like that or something bursts. Boy, they call the plumber and the plumber's looking around going, I don't know where the hell the meter is. Oh, well, of course, it's behind like four different walls. Okay, so anyways, they box this area off. They put shelving units and they put a bunch of drinks on top because they're a restaurant. But yeah, good for them. But bad for the plumber, man. So we had to take everything out and then we had to get in. And that's why we opted to go on the other side of the wall because there's no space to put backflow preventers in here. So anyways, let me show you. This is the wall that we ran them through. And just to the right of this door or right of this plywood is what you saw before, which was the three water meters. So first things first, you got to make sure that um, you allot the space correctly. I then soldered a bunch of MIPs. And if you look at this picture, you're going to see three quarter MIPs. You're also going to see half inch MIPs. We are using two three quarter uh, backflow preventers and then one half inch backflow preventer. I assume you probably already figured that out before I explained it, but what the hell? Let's beat a dead horse, okay? So we have a bunch of MIPs that I soldered and I uh, cut lengths of about six inches each. I needed essentially enough space on both sides with these pipes to be able to mount it to the wood that I would eventually mount on the wall, okay? Because if you're doing a wall mount uh, backflow preventer, that's what you got to do. You got to put up some sort of support in order to mount this onto. So this is what the bad boys look like once you tape and dope those MIPs that you were just looking at over here. You got to tape them. You got to dope them. And then you got to thread them into each side of the backflow preventer, making sure that they're really tight and watertight, more importantly. And once you do that, you got to mount some wood. I know this picture right here kind of steps a bit forward really quickly. However, what you got to note behind it is, is once you do the um, threading of the MIPs, you then got to make sure that the wood is mounted correctly. And my friends, I mounted this wood before I did the threading, but it doesn't matter what order. No matter what, you're going to have to do it in either order. I mounted this wood so that all three backflow preventers can be put. And then here's how we opted to, oh, a couple of things I got to show you quickly. Let me go to the right right here. Also, if you look above here, you're going to notice this little tank that was put up. Those are called expansion tanks. You need an expansion tank for every backflow preventer you install. Here's the reason why. And this is crucial because 
I shot a video a couple of days ago talking about expansion tanks, so this is going to come up on the channel. But essentially, there's a bit of fluctuation in pressure when it comes to what the city is offering uh, every every household and every unit. Now, if you don't have a backflow preventer, that fluctuation won't really be recognized because the pressure will go back towards the city or if worse comes to worse and this is the worst case scenario, your hot water tank will start discharging because there's too much pressure in it. So here's the thing. When you have backflow preventers put in, there's no water moving back into the city, hence no pressure being able to be compensated for because of that um, explanation I gave you how it's a one-way door. Water's not going back. Pressure's not going back either. So that door shuts. Now there's extra pressure in the system. And a lot of times what ends up happening is what I described earlier. Um, because of this pressure, uh, because it's a little bit more pressure than what your um, hot water tank is used to, the hot water tank will start reacting with as if it, there's more pressure than it needs because that's that's the case. So the water tank has a... Um, pressure relief valve on it. Every hot water tank is supposed to have one of these because if you don't have one of these and there's a huge buildup of pressure, your hot water tank will literally explode. There is a video I saw and I think it was Mythbusters. I'm not sure. But there's a video I saw of a hot water tank taking off like a projectile, literally shooting for the sky. So instead of putting a pressure relief valve on it, they just capped that bad boy and they just start adding pressure in. Everybody got back like 800 meters. This thing took off for the sky. And I saw this actually in plumbing school, this video. So that's why you have expansion tanks in there. And essentially what they do is they allow for some extra pressure compensation because the pressure with the city will rise, it will lower, etc. So this pressure tank will take some pressure and then it's designed so that when the pressure drops from the city, then this pressure can release a little bit and then go back to homeostasis essentially. It's a really clever thing and I'll go into further detail in the vlog that I do of it because I think they're fascinating things as well. I'm a big fan of backflow preventers. I'm a big fan of uh, everything to do with them, including expansion tanks. So if you haven't noticed that already, uh, that's the truth. And if you have a chance and you haven't seen it already, check out uh, backflow preventers. I go into further detail of what they do, etc. Okay. And you can also see my hair's pretty face, this sweet gentleman that stopped me. All right. So this was a little bit awkward, this... Um, installation. And I'll tell you why. If you look at the wall right here, you'll notice that there was a little bit of uh, finesse going on in regards to getting the pipes in and getting the pipes out. And that was because we were doing our best not to obstruct the water meters on the inside. What we're really worried about is the inspector's going to come in, look at the uh, the backflow preventers and go, okay, they look good. Awesome. And then go look at the water meters and go, look, these are being obstructed. I can't get to it in time to turn it off if I need to. You got to redo these pipes. So we spent a lot of time trying to make sure that these pipes were um, in good shape, basically, on the other side. And unfortunately, like a doofus, I didn't take a picture of this. Um, I don't know. I don't know why. But here's another thing I got to tell you. I actually vlogged this day because I loved this installation. And I lost that on the hard drive. I know, man. You know what? The other thing is about that situation is that 
I'm really sentimental. So when I lose stuff, man, all right, all right, let's stay on a positive note. All right, peeps, let's stay positive. So that was the job. Now, let me tell you what we ran into right at the end. And of course, this happens right at the end. And honestly, we ended right on time. They wanted us out by five. We were getting out by five. Guess what happens? We turn on the water, quarter to five. Everything's going good. All of a sudden, we look way above the hot water. Uh, sorry, way above the backflow preventers and the water meters, and we see a joint leaking. Did we ever touch this joint this entire time? No. Did it move uh, during the installation? Maybe, probably, could have. But man, it starts leaking. So now we got to unpressurize. We got to drain all the water. And as you probably already know, if the taps upstairs aren't open, then it's harder to drain that water, which is between you and the tap upstairs because there's no air inside that pipe in order to let that water through, kind of like a straw, right? So it takes us a good 15 minutes, 20 minutes just to get the water out. Finally, when we get the water out, oh, there's still a little bit water left. Finally, when there's still a little bit water left and we're almost done, we start soldering that bad boy up. We were out of there after cleaning around six o'clock. So I ended late on this day, but came out nice. I really liked the job. Um, I liked the installation. It was my design, if you know what I'm saying. So let's keep going. Oh, uh. This is the teaser video to vlog number 50. What number are you, boy? I think he's 51. All right. So the video I was telling you about where I did an unboxing, I have a teaser video here. Let's take a look. Good morning, peeps. Welcome to another vlog. I ended up cutting up a hole. Dad went upstairs to the unit above and started testing all the drains that you need to do. Yes, yes, peeps, that was it, and that was vlog number 51, so a couple of things that you saw in there was um, we that job site we went to with the hard hats, that was the coffee shop I was telling you guys about, so we officially went to the coffee shop that day just to see what the game plan was, how far we need to start breaking and cutting. As you saw, there were trenches, but there were a couple of extra areas where we needed to tell the foreman where to break for us because... Um, the most important thing when you're doing undergrounds is to make sure that you have access or you have holes to make sure that you get your pipes up against the wall or whatnot. So that was the game plan. We walked in. They knew generally where to make the cuts, but there were a couple of extra areas where we got them to cut and break. Then after that, what you saw was me doing uh, basically the finishing of a job we had done a while back, which was a kitchen drain installation. I was using PEX in that one. I was uh, crimping a couple of valves. And before that, I, we were doing a 
It was a drain assessment. We were ascertaining a leak. We were trying to figure out where the leak was coming from. And that was the vlog. Lots of fun. This is vlog number 51. And uh, you also see the unboxing that the Venn family sent me. Shout out to them once again. All right, all right. Don't look over here on the top left. Let's look right here to what we're looking at. So we had to run a... This is going to look like a cold water line, but it was actually a hot water line for one of the, we know a body shop basically, and this body shop called us up and was like, look, we don't want to buy a faucet. We already have a cold water line coming into this place. Any chance you can run a hot water line so that the um, technician can kind of mix hot and cold if they wanted to and we're like yeah come on bro we could do that so here's what we did what you're looking at here is a valve which is currently open by the way i shut the water to this line right here uh this is a hot water line all the way on the other side of the building what i had to do was cut in this fancy little t connection right here with a valve and you see this brass piece right here. This is a transitional piece between copper and PEX. So you solder this bad boy on. Then you take the PEX. And over that ridged area right there, you're going to shove the PEX on with a ring. And then you're going to crimp that ring onto the PEX so that you cannot dislodge the PEX from that uh, ridged area right there. And I'll show you the way that looks right here. Boom. That's what it looks like. So same thing, same exact picture as before, close up. And if you look above here where the ridges were on the end of this brass piece is where you put the PEX pipe over and then you do that crimping. This ring right here looks like copper. I'm not quite sure if it actually is copper, but it goes into a special crimping tool and you just squeeze that bad boy tight. Make sure that it, it gets a firm grip and you're good to go. Now, for the other side of this installation, I ended up using these tools right here. What you're looking at is a pipe cutter. You're looking at uh, two short nipples that are half inch, one short nipple that's three quarter. Then you got uh, three quarter by half by three quarter T. And then you have a half inch 90 and also a half inch FIP, female iron pipe. And you have a half inch ball valve there. So once you clean those guys up, this was the original one. This is the cold water line that was already there. I ended up sweating this fitting shower 90. It's called not a fitting. Sorry, it's called a shower 90. No, I'm sorry. This is an FIP. So they had an FIP connection here so that they can thread this special nipple into it, which will allow them to then thread on a hose. So I had to sweat this bad boy out. And if you don't know what sweat means, it means that I had to heat this uh, fitting up and I had to undo it, unsolder it, and then clean that pipe up real nice. And then this is the final connection that I essentially did. So you see that three quarter by half by three quarter T. Well, that bad boy I put where was the three quarter FIP that I sweated out. And on the left-hand side, I put the three-quarter FIP with that short nipple. And then I built the right side up with a short nipple, a half-inch 90, up to a half-inch ball valve. And then it went up. And then I added another PEX connection like I had in the picture before. And I ran a PEX pipe all the way from the other side to this side right here. And again, like a doofus. I forgot to take a picture of all that PEX that I was using, but this was a fun little install, and with PEX, it was super 
darn fast, actually. It took maybe, it was probably a good 45 minutes worth of work in order to run, oh, I don't know, about 20 feet worth of pecs. You know what I'm saying? Like the longest part about running pecs is securing it. It's really fast to run it. And then the longest part about the entire thing would be uh, doing the soldering. The soldering takes uh, more time than, than even all of those things right there. But if you get those down Pac-Man, it's a really fast job. As I was doing the soldering, Dad was running the pipe, which made it even faster, if you know what I'm saying. So let's take a look right here. What are you looking at? This is a bunch of fiberglass in, from, in insulation and uh, heavy... P83 goes, looks itchy, and I'm like, yeah, bro, uh, super itchy. But fortunately, and I guess unfortunately as well, we were inside the garage. But luckily, it was not a really, really cold day. But that's why we were out there. We were essentially insulating pipes that were exposed that would eventually uh, succumb to freezing if we left them exposed like that. So what we ended up doing was uh, buying a bunch of insulation. As you can see, I had to shove all this stuff inside the uh, the truck right here. Now, the funny thing is, is that this truck had, an, this insulation was in another box, but I couldn't fit that box in because it was the same size as this one. So I had to take it all out and then give back the box. But the funny thing about this is, is that there's still another couple of boxes on the inside of the truck right here that also have insulation because it was a monster job if you know what i'm saying but a couple of things you got to keep in mind about insulation if you can wear masks wear masks my dad and i made the mistake of not wearing masks and that stuff gets in your throat and i'm sure it gets in your lungs and it's disgusting and it itches like crazy and i'm sure it's not good for you so make sure you wear masks and on top of that if you can be fully covered be fully covered because this stuff gets everywhere. Even though I was wearing a jacket and wearing a sweater and whatnot, it still got on my hands even though I was wearing gloves and it got itchy um, and it was all over the clothing. So make sure to wipe down your clothes after or just wash them if you can. All right. So here's another picture of a bunch of insulation. And this is the bad boy pipe that we had to run. Now, here's the thing you're going to notice. This is a steel pipe that's Victolic. It's Victolic couplings. So um, it's not something we install typically, but uh, because we had access to get insulation, the owners of the building were like, look, we can't get a hold of those guys. Why don't you just run in? And if you can get me enough insulation, why don't you just insulate these pipes and you're good to go? And we're like, okay, fine. We got the insulation and we did it. We get whatever we get, we'll do. That's, that's the way dad and I work. You know, small plumbing company, we'll take what we can get, whatever you want. I don't mind. So, you know, and it's also a nice change of pace because most of the time you're doing rough-ins or finishing or you're ascertaining leaks. Every once in a while you throw one of these in and it kind of feels like you got different spices in your life. You know what I'm saying? So this long black pipe that you're looking up right here is up at right here is what we had to insulate. And I'm going to show you the finished product, which is this white covering right here, which is what all that insulation you saw earlier. Here's something that I got to note. The thing about insulation is, especially this round type of insulation that goes over pipes, uh, it's really fast to get up, right? Like you can throw two or three up at a time. And then what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to take a special tape and in between them, 
to transition between them, this white tape blends in with uh, the two pipes, making it look uniform and like it's one solid piece. But here's one thing you got to know. You really got to spend time making sure this stuff is straight because if you don't, it really looks silly on it and you start getting crimps on the insulation and it looks kind of sloppy and whatnot. And, and, and that's where it takes more time than you expect. You know what I'm saying? It's not the most intricate job in the world. It's not super complicated, but there's a little bit of finesse to it that you really got to spend time to get that particular look down. You know what I'm saying? Because there were a couple of joints that I did that if you looked at, you would have been like, bro, what the hell was Kenny Molotov smoking that day? Oh, and by the way, marijuana got legalized in Toronto or in Ontario or in Canada. Was it Canada? Was it nationwide? I, yeah, it was nationwide in Canada. I'm going to check that up later. All right, don't quote me. I don't know why I digress like that. Sorry, peeps. We'll, we'll not talk about this. Anyways, yeah. We did a bunch of insulation. It was good times. Uh, did a good eight-hour day. Made some money. That's how it is. Let's move over to here. You remember how I said I made 0.01 cents? It's not even one cent, to be honest. Is it? No. Yeah, it is one cent. So, I had to take a picture because it made me feel really, f like, it was just hilarious. So, <laughs> I took a picture of it and I put it online and actually it's one of my most uh, active tweets where people were like chiming in going, hey, you're killing it. Linfern, Lindsay from the Venn family, Lindsay Venn was like, hey, that's one penny more than me. Walker Beulah was like, I'm just done. We are to continue plumbing on. Yep. Uh, Victor 99's like, don't give up. Jamie Louisa's like, early retirement hashtag. My sister was like, dead. Jay Money was like uh, sharing his caring baby. So everybody's joking around. Good times. Peck Plumbing had a few things to say. Uh, I'm always jealous of those YouTubers. They're making bank. Yep. Peck, I'm just killing it, yo. Killing it. So that was fun. And then I'm going to show you a little quick thing that I ended up doing. I ended up vlogging this bad boy. But as you already know, I lost all that God forsaken footage. What are you looking at here? You're looking at a copper pipe going through a brick wall with a lot of wires around it that are also going through a brick wall. And what you're also looking at right here is some exposed wire, but it's not showing up too good in this picture. But here's one thing I got to let you know. Some of that wire was exposed. Fortunately, there was a valve I can... Uh, just turn off real quick. What I had to do was I came in there and the superintendent's like, look, there's a toilet leaking upstairs. Can you go check it out? Sure. I come to this area right here and I notice that there's no toilet pipe here, bro. There's no, there's no vertical leg. I don't see a 90. I see this copper pipe and this copper pipe seems to be leaking. So upon further investigation, I look inside this hole, I lift up this pipe and the leak starts getting worse. And what I notice is, is that it's sitting right on top of brick, right on top of brick. So it's surrounded by brick, but the only place that it's actually um, touching it is right on the bottom. So one thing that you got to know about pipe is that uh, pipe uh, experiences uh, turbulence or sometimes even really strong turbulence called water hammer. But no matter what, your pipes are constantly 
uh, moving. It might be very little. It might be um, not a lot of fluctuation to it, but it was oh, it's always moving, right? And that's why securing pipe is such a big deal with plumbing. And that's why inspectors will actually spend time making sure that pipe is uh, secured correctly because it's going to move if it's not secured correctly. So what's happening here essentially is you got a pipe going through this bricked area. As it's sitting on the brick, over time, that pipe is slowly sawing away at itself on this brick right here. And lo and behold, before you know it, you got a small, tiny little pinhole. Now, one thing you got to notice is, is that I shut this valve and now I have to drain the water. And the only way I could drain it was through cutting it because there was no other place I could start draining this water. I couldn't find a tap that was connected to this line, essentially. So at this low, I mean, or lower than me. So what I ended up doing was going on the opposite end, which is why the picture looks different. And the pipe looks different. And that's where I did the cutting because there weren't exposed wires there. The rest of these wires on this side were well insulated and whatnot. And then I ended up draining the water from here. Then I had to go to the other side. I had to make an incision there, cut the pipe make sure I remove it. And this is what you see right here. You see this flattened area of this pipe? Well, this little dot right here is essentially the pinhole. And that thing would have just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Now you might be asking me, well, was this a, was this a job where you could have put a gear clamp with a little bit of rubber? If you don't know already, peeps, uh, that's what Plumbers typically do in an emergency situation, they get this special rubber, it's this flat rubber and a gear clamp. They put it over the pipe so that the rubber covers the hole. They crank that bad boy and you can stop the leak that way. So that's one way to stop this leak. No, I didn't have the opportunity to do that because I couldn't fit my hand inside that area where the bricked area was in order to do it. So I had to cut it out no matter what. Fortunately, I was able to do it. Then I cut the same length of pipe. Let me show you what I used. I used uh, my tape measure right here, two couplings, uh, some paste, pipe cutter, and some solder. And this is the end result on, I think it's on, that's the only side I showed you. So soldered this bad boy up right here. And then I went to the other side. I put another coupling. I soldered that bad boy up right there. And that was the installation of the day. I also did some other stuff that day. Let me show you what I'm talking about. So I got a video to show you. Let's take a look. See that water running? Yes, sir. We were getting a knock from the door downstairs going, hey, look, I'm seeing a lot of water coming into my unit down below. What the heck's going on? So dad and I are called in like dangerous plumbing inspectors and we have to start testing all the drains. We test this drain, we test that drain, everything's going good. I don't know what the heck's going on. We're not seeing any water. All of a sudden, we're like, you know what? We might be, it might be the shower control valve. So at this point, after we had tested all the drains, we were only using the spout, right? We were only using, we weren't diverting it essentially. And we weren't seeing any water. They weren't seeing any water. So we're like, maybe it's not the shower control valve. And then dad goes, you know what? Let me turn on the shower head and see if we see anything different. Now, here's the interesting thing. Normally, when you have a shower uh, shower control valve, this is a Moen shower control valve. It'll have a remote. Uh, it's not a remodeling plate. It will just actually have this uh, trim kit that they put on top with a handle. I have a picture of it right here. Oh, no, these are the tools I used. 
This is what the trim kit looks like when it's fully assembled, all right? This is in its fully assembled form. It's got a handle to it, right? Shower head, shower control valve has a handle. That's where the handle goes. Now, normally, you have a much bigger hole to peep your head into to see if there's any water leaking. But if you look at this picture right here, if you're looking at this, this is a tiny hole. The only thing that you can see is the cartridge coming out of the wall. So it's a little bit ridiculous. And we have no idea if there's water back there because of how small this thing is. So luckily, the way this washroom is designed is that it's back-to-back -back washrooms. You have this three-piece, which is a bathroom group on one side. And then on the opposite side of the wall, you have a powder room inside the master washroom. They don't have a bathtub in there, so it's a powder room. So we're like, okay, look, what's on the other side? We go there, there's a cabinet. And we're like, yo, bro, if we just cut this cabinet underneath this cabinet, we might be able to see what the heck's going on. And that's the video you're looking at. I'm basically underneath the cabinet right here of the washroom on the opposite end of the wall. And that's why I'm able to see what's happening. So what's happening is, is we're turning on the water everything's working perfectly fine. Dad pulls the diverter on the spout so that water starts coming out of the shower head. Lo and behold, this bloody thing is leaking from the joint on the top of the shower control valve. So the Moen shower control valve has four different joints. One that goes up to the shower head, one on the left for hot, one on the right for cold, one on the bottom for the spout or the toe test or whatever you're doing with it. And it's the top one that is leaking. So what I had to do was solder the bad boy up using these tools. So I used a brush to clean it up a little bit. I pasted that bad boy. I then uh, heated it up with the torch, soldered that bad boy, uh, and we were good to go. And then I put the trim plate on and here's the video. There's no audio, unfortunately. So you can see that I ended up soldering it a bit, but basically my dad's doing the same thing. He's checking the diverter up above or down below, seeing that uh, water's coming out of the shower head. And he's also, and I'm checking it from behind to make sure that it is a-okay. And that's what it was, my friends. So last but not least, I wanted to end on this note because last weekend on Saturday, after I did a podcast that I lost, I took my friend John indoor skydiving, which is a tunnel diving, I guess you would call it. It was a tremendous amount of fun. So what they essentially do is they have these super high powered fans, super high powered Powerful enough to make you experience what it's like to skydive. That's how powerful these things are. So you get enough lift in these things if you uh, maneuver your body correctly to float there. Float there, right there. And this is a picture of me doing just that. I got that um, level correct and I was floating in the same spot. That's the teacher over here, Chad. Guys, this was so much bloody fun. I cannot, I cannot stress this enough. This was mind boggling fun. I had way too much fun. I caught the bug. And every time I've driven home from there, from, from work, I pass by this place and I think to myself, do you want to just go in for an hour? So here's what happens. 
you first go into this place, and there's a bunch of places uh, out there that are like this, by the way. There are a lot of tunnels where you can practice skydiving. And now, initially, when Chad, the teacher, was doing this, there were like three in the world. Now, there's over something like 300 in the world. Sorry, my audio is going crazy. There's over something like 300, 350 in the world right now. So this thing has really taken off and you have the exact same experience of skydiving. And the things that these guys do, peeps, is just bonkers. Just bonkers what these guys can do. They can do flips. They could spin. They could go on their backs and float. They can go on their fronts and float. They can float up. They can float down. And what's crazy is that going up and down actually has to do with your head position. The further up your head is, the lower you're going to go. The further down your head is, the more lift your body's going to have, and it's going to go up higher. It was, Dude, It was. it's just next level what the hell, you know? It's so much fun. We got in there. Chad introduced himself took us in the room. We got a five-minute uh, explainer video of what's going on, the safety procedures and whatnot. He strapped us in to these suits. We put the suits on, I should have said. He strapped us into the helmets. He helped us out with that, and then we were off. We're also wearing protective eye gear and also earplugs because it's super loud. The fans will blow your face off. So I'm anticipating and I have a bit of anxiety my friend John, by the way, goes first. This is John right here floating with that beautiful smile of his, okay? John goes first. He comes out. Chad calls me over. What you have to do is stand with your feet shoulder width apart. You have to come in with your hands coming down. You have to have a, a good bend at the elbows. And you got to start feeling that lift. And now there's so much lift, it's almost like water. Chad can lift you up by your waist and actually take you and place you in a specific spot there. And if you have your hands and legs all um, staying steady, you can actually float in that position. So he puts me into the position, he lets go of me, and I start going all wonky because you're fighting against all this air that's coming at you, right? The whole time, you're essentially tensing your body to make sure your arms don't deviate from the position they need to be in order for you to stay stationary. If you're moving at all, it means that your body isn't in the correct position to stay stationary. And it was so much fun the first run. I remember, you know, right at the end, I started getting it. I started finding that sweet spot of, okay, I'm in one position, we're good to go. But Chad was constantly correcting you. That's one thing that the teacher really has to do. They have to look at your body position and figure out where the lift is throwing you off. Because sometimes your legs are too high and your arms are too in and you're going forward or vice versa and you're going backwards. So he has to be really on point. They have to be really on point. So I get off this thing and we have three runs, okay? Each is a minute. You got a minute for the first, a minute for the second, and then the third one is a, a two-minute run, okay? So I get off this thing, and John's going again, and I sit down, and my body is just aching like crazy. I didn't realize how tense I was, how much you have to strain in order to get in that position and make sure that your feet don't go all wonky because, look, the air's so strong that it's making your legs almost flutter so you got to really keep in a, a really safe position so i sit down and i f i finally feel it i l loosen my muscles and i go man that 
bloody hurt, right? So the second time I get in, Chad puts me in the position and I finally get it, right? Like I'm, I'm floating there for a couple of minutes and he sees it. Not a couple of minutes. That's an exaggeration. It's only a minute. He sees it for a good five, 10 seconds. He sees me staying there. So he comes up to me and he goes, put your hands in, in this position. So imagine your hands are parallel with the floor. Now tilt them about, let's say, 45 degrees. If you tilt them to the same in the same direction, 45 degrees, you will actually be able to spin your body in a circle. And that's what Chad was trying to teach me on the second run. And I just started getting it, but I was being thrown off and whatnot. So uh, then my run was done. John comes in for another minute, and then we're doing the two-minute run, right? So here's the two-minute run. I come in. Chad puts me into the position. And before I got into my two-minute run, Chad looks at me and goes, do you want to do a tandem jump? And a tandem jump is when essentially they, the trainer, the teacher, will take you up on a flight. And it'll be like, I don't know, 10 seconds maybe, 10, 20 seconds. So I, I was like, yeah, let's do it. So on the back of this uniform that I'm currently wearing. It's like a parachuting actual uniform. So on the back are these two strips. And I assume these two strips are designed to actually um, take a parachute uh, backpack or whatever you call it and strap to it. Uh, You know, I'm not sure. That's just the vibe I'm getting. But they got these two strong strips. So Chad grabs me by these two strips. And and I have to relinquish control at this point. I just have to let Chad do his thing. And what ends up happening is, is Chad finally gets into a floating position with me. And then he starts maneuvering us. He takes us up. He drops us down. He takes us up. He drops us down. It was super cool to know how much control this da- dude had just by using his own body and me just trying to stay as stationary as possible. And then right at the end, right at the end, he takes me down and we're still in that two minute run. And he looks at me and he tells me to, to spin and I, I do it. And I actually do a really slow, nice spin in a stationary position. And I was like, bro, I gotta come back. This is so much fun guys. There's nothing else. I hate that it does that. There's nothing else on this planet that will give you this experience except for skydiving. You know what I'm saying? So this was something that I've never experienced before. 31 years to get to it. As soon as I did it, I went, bro, I need to come back. And I honestly suggest if you ever get a chance to do it. The only thing, the only disclaimer is, is they say, if you have bad shoulders, if you've ever dislocated your shoulder, this is a bad thing to do because there's so much force coming up from this wind that a lot of times it re-dislocates because of it. So that's just something to keep in mind. Just be safe when you're playing. You know what I'm saying? Just be safe. So peeps, that was a full week of plumbing, drama, and excitement, and everything all together. Uh, I didn't show you my friend John. This is a, a final picture of him and I just showing our f- sweet mugs. Uh, it was his birthday. Well, it was a it was a celebration of his birthday because his birthday is in December, and and we weren't able to book a date then. So. 
If John's listening, love you, man. Happy birthday. Uh, we had a great time. Peeps, thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, comment below. I'm Kenny Molotov, um, professional magician, professional plumber, uh, plumbing YouTuber, also musician. Check down in the description below. I love you guys, and I'll see you very soon. Kenny Molotov, guys. Peace, baby.